Hello, and welcome to A Tale of Two Bookworms. My name is Tony. I'm Kailea. And today we will be reviewing The Stand. The Stand! By Stephen King. Uh, this is one of the top-selling novels of all time. It has sold, I believe, over 5 million copies worldwide. Uh, I also believe this is Stephen King's number one best-selling work. Don't quote me on that. Um, so yeah, let's get down to it. Just putting it out there, we decided on this book instead of other ones that we had most more recently read. I finished this in May and Tony mm -hmm. was around the same time. Yes. Because the new miniseries just came out and we watched the first couple of episodes. Yes. <laughs> so the, the book is not uh, as fresh in our minds. Uh, but the, the series is, um, and the freshness is not really an issue for me. I'm very familiar with this book. How many um, times have you read it, Tony? I would say about eight. Uh, it is one of my very favorite books. And yeah, I think I've read it at least eight times. I have not. I read it once. <laughs> and once was probably enough for you, it I think. It was enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so... Let's get down to it. This is uh, a very long book. I have here with me the uh, the complete and uncut edition, which is somewhere around 1140 pages. My copy, I think, was 1465. Mm -hmm. the, the text was a little bit longer in your uh, larger in yours. Um, this is King's fifth novel, which I thought was quite interesting that he wrote this so early on in his career. Um, it's quite ambitious uh and to to write this so early on you know really when was it published originally tony 1978 okay and then it, there was another there there were some updates since then to include some of the technology that happened mm-hmm mm -hmm. uh, i think that, the update happened in the late 80s early 90s 1990 there we go which is about the time that the the stand takes place so in 1978 he said it in the future and then by the time in 1990 and then by the time 1990 rolled around and he realized there were there were some things that just didn't quite come to fruition some some stuff that wasn't really relevant anymore he updated it uh the the complete and uncut edition came out because the publisher insisted that it not be so long and i think the original copy was around 800 pages and then, you know, after King had established himself a little bit more and became one of the best-selling novelists of all times, he realized he could release it complete and uncut. One thing I think we can both agree is that Stephen King does need an editor in his life and in his career. I think he um, he's very detailed, which is a good thing. Um, but there's quite a lot of things which are just needless um, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt here for a yeah. second because it's just occurred to my mind one of the most irritating things. And despite the amount of revisions and updates that have happened, somehow hamstrings yes. is still in there to refer to muscles in the arm. Yes. Uh, I actually have an exact quote to that. There are grammar mistakes in this book and it is yeah. staggering considering... Uh, how many people have read this book? How many eyes have gone over this book? And there are still uh, such drastic, drastic mistakes, including, yeah, hamstrings, meaning the muscles in, in the arms. They are not in your arms. They are not in your arms. But uh, in case there's anybody out there who thinks, well, maybe we are 
misunderstanding. Here is a quote. Fran saw her hamstrings pop out all the way up her forearm to the elbow. It's pretty damning. It's physically impossible. Uh, another another <laughs> instance of just things that, that don't make sense is uh, Nick is mugged early on in the book. And um, he's attacked by, by people. And he hits one of them. And he hits them in the nose. And it breaking it too by the sound of it. Which Nick is deaf. Uh, and there are multiple things in that fight where he reacts to the sound of something, which is just not possible. Not possible. Uh, so Unless he's feeling the vibrations through the earth. <laughs> Possibly. It's possible. Anything is possible. Nick would. No, Nick... hamstrings in your arm is not possible. Okay, anything else <laughs> is possible. Uh, so we've discussed some of the grammar mistakes, which are many, and we've discussed uh, the well, the, that's content. the hamstrings. <laughs> I'll never get over. I will say I'm not the most critical reader. Uh, so it wasn't until I, I read this with Kailea and she pointed out these things to me. I was like... I complained a lot. Yeah. And I was like, hey, you're right. That doesn't make sense. And yeah, this is weird. However, I still do enjoy the book. <laughs> <laughs> still one of his favorites. Yeah. Not one of mine. I, I love the scope of it. I love uh, just the massive scale. I love big books. I love the mystery. I get that the payoff is not quite there. Um, the ending kind of fizzles for sure. The but... ending is the worst. <laughs> let's, let's talk a bit about the ending. Well... I thought the ending was lame. Yes, you did. I really did. Yeah. As you told me, endings are hard, and having focused more on reading this year, this is true. Yeah. Most endings suck. I feel like that could have been uh, an alternate name for our podcast, Endings Are Hard, because we, we find ourselves saying that quite a lot with books we read, and it, it's true. It's obviously true. Endings are, are hard. Uh, this book ends with... A lot of setup, um, a, a lot of, of build up to the end, uh, a battle of good versus evil, and it kind of ends with the the characters that are sent to Vegas to fight the Dark Man, and and they don't know how they're gonna do it. They don't know what they're gonna do, and all that happens to them is that they're brought forth in front of the townspeople who live in in las vegas they're to be i think it's drawn and quartered isn't it yeah yeah and, and then one of flag that's the dark man one of flags lackeys comes to them with a nuclear bomb trashy and then quite literally the hand of god comes up and detonates the bomb exploding them all i thought it was because flag had some lightning thing going on because he that's was right. mad and that's right getting hitting he, the nuke and mm -hmm. nuked everybody he had a, a ball of lightning which turned into essentially the hand yeah. of god i guess we should say spoilers many spoilers if you don't listen to this podcast if you don't want spoilers it's too late now <laughs> it's too late now but My you bad. should all know uh, in the future, not to listen to these podcasts. If you haven't read the book, 
or if you just don't care, and then then that's just no, fine. No, you can listen to it if you don't care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that's what I meant to say. Anywho, yeah, um, there. I mean, okay. So everybody in Vegas blows up essentially, mm-hmm. except for Flag, the one person or being or whatever he is, which isn't fully explained in the novel. His body is exploded. But he just reincarnates somewhere else. Yes. Uh, in the same body the, somewhere else. The character of Randall Flagg is known by many names, and he crosses through many books in the, the Stephen King verse. As someone who's only read The Stand with Randall Flagg in it, I don't care. <laughs> he doesn't get destroyed in this scenario, and he just ends up somewhere else. So what they did was completely useless. Because one of the other things of the, the whole good versus evil thing, the people in Boulder were awful people. They weren't good people, period. And the people in Vegas weren't, weren't necessarily all bad awful people. people. There were so many problems, and that's the whole reason why Fran wanted to leave in the first place, is mm-hmm. because they were having all of these massive issues. Yeah. And, that... and like, who's to say the people in Vegas were, were bad? They had things going quite well. There weren't issues. They, they were actually, uh, they had better order from what I remember. Yes. They were better behaved. Well, through fear. Through was the fear, through of, fear of flag, yes. Uh, uh, he, he kept them very well behaved. There was the one no, character... No, because a lot of it was, was like bribing the, the whole, oh yeah, you'll get this if you behave and you do well, then you'll get everything that you want. Uh, there was the one character who slipped off and he started doing cocaine and he was uh, tortured most brutally. Yeah, okay. Let me see in one of the texts that I sent you is that... I think Flag only ended up killing a couple people, whereas in Boulder... That we see. There are talks of him killing a lot more. Uh, he kills... I don't remember that. He kills the person who, who gets him uh, his vehicle in the, in the beginning of the book and who gets him his papers. He kills the person who was supposed to be keeping watch and failed. And he killed the person who started doing, I think it was cocaine. Oh, he does kill. No, he doesn't kill Nadine. She no, throws herself she out the kills. Window. She kills herself. Oh, and that whole storyline. And as a side note, what the hell? Amber Heard is Nadine. Could you pick somebody who's less like Nadine? Yeah, in the book, she's dark-haired, and then her hair turns white the more contact she has with Flag, and 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 the the show it's amber heard who is who's just blonde who is basically did you say blonde or bland i said blonde i heard bland bland is also accurate (laughs) bland like cardboard yes anyway terrible choice for the miniseries just adding that in there now to, to what you said about the people in boulder being awful um i think there are some who are awful but I think Fran wanting to leave because things are so crazy, it goes to something Glenn kind of said about society. Um, he's talking about, you give me one person, I'll give you a saint. You give me two people, they'll fall in love. You give me three people, they'll form a society. Four, they'll build a pyramid. Uh, ending with, man may have been made in the image of God. But human society was made in the image of his opposite number and is always trying to get back home. So the more his his notion was the more people you have, the more likely bad things will happen. You know? So then there is no good versus evil. It's just humanity. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So then there is no stand. There is no good people being drawn to Abigail and bad people being drawn to Flag. It's just people and they're, for whatever reason, are drawn to one person or the other or like Nadine aren't really drawn to anybody and don't have dreams at all. There are multiple people that don't have dreams at all and just by happenstance end up in one place or the other. Nadine dreamed of the dark man. She didn't dream of Mother Abigail. But she did dream about the dark man. But not in the same way that other people did. No, not not the other people who went to Boulder. She kind of went no. to Boulder because the group she was with all No, I mean, other that. people that, that went to Vegas didn't dream about him the same way that she did. She had a completely different relationship with her. Yes, she did. With him, sorry. <laughs> yes, she did. Uh, one thing, this, this is a little bit unrelated, but one thing uh, Stephen King does a lot in his writing which I don't, I don't think he handles well. I, he's gotten better at this over time, but uh, it's there's a lot of instances in this book. Uh, but Stephen King writing about sex and, and sexual things—it's creepy. It's and not not in a good way. Like it's very disturbing how he talks about it and how he has all the characters in his book think about it and and act towards it it's icky it's really gross Mm -hmm. and then randomly why does Stu kiss dana oh yeah that was weird that was so weird um they're sending dana off was she a spy that they sent yeah so they spent they sent a spy all three spies they spent they sent spies (laughs) to vegas to to check up on what flag and his people are doing and one of them's dana and before she's a lesbian i think yeah she's a lesbian and before they leave Stu learns she's a lesbian and i guess it's 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 just a little too weird for his east texas sensibilities so even though he's in a relationship with fran he kisses her on the mouth before she goes and then is like, huh, a lesbian. It's like, what? What is that? Yeah. What was the purpose of that? That is strange. And it's things like that that do make me question why this book is, is so liked by myself. But yeah. Or the sex with the barbed wire, which you conveniently forgot about well, when we were discussing it last I spring. I would love to have forgotten about that again. <laughs> it wasn't sex with barbed wire. It was... Uh, one of the girls who are kept in the zoo is forced to wipe herself with barbed wire after going to the washroom. It's disgusting. And Stephen King does that a lot. You know, he's a horror writer. This is not a horror book. No, it's really not. Uh, But he includes all these really visceral and disgusting things that, that happen to the characters and are done by the characters and are thought by the characters. It's disg- it's gross. Yeah. Yep, there are some things that I would have preferred to have not read. <laughs> uh, also, I think Stephen King doesn't handle women in general very well. And again, I think he's improved at this over over the years. But early on in his career, I don't know if he just didn't like women or didn't respect them very much. Um, but they're not... They're not as strong characters as the men. They're not as well-rounded as the men, typically. Uh, I just think he kind of fails in that regard. Definitely. And that's... um, I found some reviews on Goodreads when I was complaining about the book. And someone... I apologize. I didn't write down the name of this person. But she complained that 
all the women in the book were either a stereotypical maid, matron, or crone. And there mm. was, they were just basically one-dimensional characters in either, in any one of those categories. Mm-hmm. And they were valued for their ability to reproduce or their moral compass. Because they're so emotional, as explicitly stated about the committee um, when they were in Boulder. Mm. Remember, they, they were too emotional so they had to <laughs> have people balance out their... I can't remember exactly what it was. Balance out their opinions. But yeah, about the committee. They're like, oh, they're, he said they're too emotional. Interesting. I don't, and that, I don't that remember that. that was Fran that. and Sue's purpose being on the committee. Was being the moral compass. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because of their emotionalness. Yeah. And how does everybody get pregnant within... I'm sorry, that, that's, a, that's a minor complaint. But Fran and what was the other girl's name who got pregnant? uh lucy was lucy? it lucy yeah with larry right lucy yeah she got married she got pregnant with larry fran was pregnant really before before the events of the book begin uh yes, she the, was. her first scene is her telling her boyfriend who this is all before the pandemic hit them so we can assume that he died how unlikely would it be that two people uh who parented the same child both lived but yeah, um, she she starts off as pregnant, mm-hmm. but it's it's like you said, where it's like women's only purpose uh, are to have babies, and her whole purpose in this book seems to be like that she is a mother, that she is the first mother of a of a child of a child, or as a sexual object, and why Harold ends up going to the dark side because he can't have Fran as a sexual object. Mm-hmm. And yeah. speaking of Fran, man, could I not stand her character. She's constantly complaining and whining and mm-hmm. laughing at the stupidest things. And I know that was kind of her quirk. Yes, but it, it, was it was a part so of her character. so annoying. There was nothing redeemable about Fran. Yes, whereas I think for, for male characters, there's a lot of, of interesting characters. There's a lot of, of different kinds of male characters that you as, as a, myself as a male reader can look at and go like oh i like this guy i like this about this character in the stand you kind of have his female characters one main one and it's franny and she's not very strong and she's not very interesting she's really not interesting no and um the the book the most interesting one is definitely nadine yes yeah and her but her whole thing is about her virginity and who's she gonna lose her virginity to Ooh, <laughs> come on give me a break what not you... everything is about sex what did you think about the device the book uses of having fran write in her journal um i don't remember enjoying it no i, I didn't voice either is very immature yes and... extremely this is supposed to be somebody who is uh, considered quite smart going to college <laughs> Um, and yeah, just very just immature. It's more of Stephen King's view on women. Precisely. Okay, so let's talk a bit about the TV adaptation. We've seen two episodes. Wait, wait, wait. Just to interrupt. I want to quote something else from Goodreads from somebody who I also don't know who it is. Did I love Glenn? Sure. Nick? Sure. Tom Cullen? Yes. Kojak? You can bet on it. I feel the same. But Larry, Stu, Ralph, Joe, Lucy, Abigail, I really don't care. They were, to quote the book, no great loss. <laughs> Not even a mention of Franny. <laughs> okay, <laughs> T 
TV adaptation. Let's go. Well, before we go in there, I will say <laughs> I I enjoy the characters of Larry and Stu. Glenn is my favorite. Yeah. Glenn is great. Glenn is my absolute favorite, and we'll talk more about him. And uh, Tom Collins. And we'll t- we'll go, we're going to do a second episode for this one because it is such a large novel. It is a lot to dissect. I think our second episode will go more into individual characters. But let's wrap this one off with talking about, first of all, the TV adaptation. Okay. We only watched two episodes. And I don't want to watch anymore. It was painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not only the casting choices, but the way that they're telling the story in flashbacks as opposed to chronological. Mm-hmm. It, it... <laughs> it's very poor storytelling. Yeah, for... There was four of us watching the show at once. One hadn't read the book and three of us had. Mm-hmm. The one who hadn't read the book, and I do apologize to him that we were talking through the whole thing, complaining about it, but he had no idea what was going on. No. Um, and, but- and even if we weren't, you know, it's not told in a way that I think can be appreciated by anyone who isn't familiar with with the book. It's uh, It starts off... In the middle with uh, Harold, who is it was a bad character, an evil character. I say evil character. He's, he's an antagonist. And it starts off with him uh, being part of a committee which is burying the bodies in the town that they, the good guys all, all end up in. You can't and see, but he's doing air quotes. I am doing air quotes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so it, st- it starts off with him burying bodies. And then it goes back to him in Maine before the pandemic being a creepy little perv, which wasn't shown very well, him being pervy. But it's like, I wonder if I hadn't read The Stand, what the heck I would have been thinking. Like, how do you follow that? It's, it's, not, it's not telling the story very well. It's not explaining the characters very well. It's not explaining the events of what's happening very well. And it's not even not explaining it so that you can be drawn in you're like oh what's the mystery what's going on mm-hmm. the, the last scene in the second episode which one dealt with campion was it the first episode or the second uh he's he's in the first episode and so it's... much as him crashing into the pumps but them showing him escaping from the military base is the second episode yeah which is something that they really should have started with absolutely which is what the novel starts with yes because that's what draws you and you're like, oh, what's going on? What's what's the danger? The way the novel is written, I think whether you like it or not, it, it does draw you in. It does compel you to keep reading. Uh, it is told in a way that keeps you guessing and keeps you turning the page. I think whether you like it or not, it, it is it is compelling. And it is well written. I'll give you that. Except for the some obvious mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> One wonders where the editors are in the world these days. Uh, well, that that was written a long time ago. This is this is a problem that is still very prevalent in a lot of books we read. Oh my word! Editing. Uh, if you are an author and you're listening to this podcast, please, please, please reread your book before sending it to publishers. Get Ask your friends, friends to, to reread read it. it. And like, because there are just so many mistakes in books, more so nowadays, but so many. Like, just a quick example: I read *The Night Swim* in a for a book club, 
a couple months ago and some of the mistakes were just so obvious there was one sentence that was repeated word for word it ended a paragraph and then it started the next paragraph so it was right one after the the other and it's like how is that missed mm-hmm. and then something uh there was an envelope piercing the the uh, a pole and she pulls out the knife and looks and oh, it's an envelope and you're like yeah you <laughs> you just said that two sentences ago yes you, it's not a surprise that it's an envelope yes it's just basic things like that please please proofread mm-hmm. okay one more thing about the stand for today and then we will continue next week with our character analyses. Uh, and that is the religious content in this book. What religious content? Well, it is very religious. Um, There's it, hints of supernatural, religiosity, whatever. But well, it's so lacking and it doesn't get expounded. The character of Mother Abigail is is very religious. She quotes God all the time. She... Um, Nick is somebody who has no faith in the beginning and and gains it through the experiences through Mother Abigail. But faith in what? In God. But there is no God. There is no God in the book. Not as a character, no. But Mother Abigail believes in God. Mother Abigail talks about God. They believe in Mother Abigail. They don't believe. This is this is true. But the book is considered, uh, well, not the the book, but. The events of the book are considered by many, including Glenn Bateman, to be a battle of good versus evil, a battle between God and Satan. Uh, Glenn and Mother Bateman is Ab- in the book. Hmm? Glenn Bateman is in the book. Yes. He, he can't I, have an opinion on the book. Oh, he has No, on the events that happen, not the book. Hmm. Uh, Mother Abigail is like God's avatar and Flag is, is Satan's imp. And uh, it is it is their battle. Something I thought with this book is it's almost as if Stephen King were writing uh, the third book of the Bible. That's silly. I don't know. I really think there that this is written like a religious epic. You it, know, it has hints on it, but just like even based on the ending. There's nothing. There is no good and evil. There's just people. How do you mean? That regardless of where they are, where they're in Boulder, in Las Vegas, or Mm -hmm. elsewhere, that they're just people. There is no overarching good person or good being that's helping anybody. I mean, the, the only person that was close to it was Abigail, and she suffered for her belief and didn't survive it and didn't accomplish because she could never be good enough to... To become that pure person, whatever she went out into the woods for, for, for a month and then came back and died. Well, what she came back with was the the vision and the knowledge that Stu, Larry, Glenn, and Ralph had to go to Vegas. So um, that they could die. Yes. For nothing. Yes. and uh, For literally nothing. And then Flag just reincarnates somewhere else. Yeah, and starts it starts it all over again. Like so, what's the point? There is no point to it. There is no battle of good and evil. It's not a final battle. It's just wow, Las Vegas gets nuked, and people are still having struggles in Boulder. And who's gonna say that those people who had the zoo aren't going to start up their own cult somewhere else, doing even worse things than what were presumed to be happening in Vegas? Well, the people with who ran the zoo all died. 
How would you know? They all died. When did they die? When, uh, when Larry, when not Larry, when Stu and Ralph and not Ralph, geez, when Stu (laughs) and Harold and Fran uh, meet up with the zoo. Yeah, they kill all of them. Well, there's not, you can't say that there's no people that are just like that elsewhere. No, for sure. Especially, and I mean, we have other continents going on. What about the south of the United States? What about Canada? What about Europe and And Asia and Africa and Australia and New Zealand and all the islands, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like there's the rest of the world going on. Yeah. And that is one thing that is uh, fairly naive about the stand is like, what about the rest of the world? This all takes place in in America. And um, the battle for good and evil is only in America. Yeah. But this is a global pandemic and it's a global situation and as we've learned through coronavirus is that you can't just focus on one country it has to be you know global uh so what about the rest of the world um however that is uh that is enough for this week uh we'd like to thank you all for listening and we will be back next week with a character analysis of some of the major characters in this book so for now my name is tony I'm Kylea. And we will see you again next week. Okay, bye. Can't say goodbye.